Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. And today we're going to talk about why artists shouldn't be afraid to try oils. But before we get onto that, we want to say a huge thank you to our latest Kofi supporters. And they are Maggie Ha, Kate Gamble, Susan Greco, Michelle Slee and Joanna Brown. And as always, we always really appreciate the support because not only does it help us towards the costs of running Kick in the Creatives, which helps us to keep doing what we do, but it also shows that you like what we do. So thank you. And we also want to thank everyone who's been sharing their work with us on social media. And um, Art by Jackie P, she has been doing the Quick Kicks Challenge, which is to draw without using traditional art tools. But not only has she chosen not to use art tools, but she's made it even more interesting for herself by not using art-related mediums either. So she's been using things like beetroot juice, and she says, so much better than ketchup, She's been using a turmeric or tu- I can never. Some people say turmeric. Turmeric. And some yeah. people say turmeric, but let's say turmeric then. Uh, turmeric powder and coffee, that kind of thing. And the thing is, her paintings have been really good. Really good. I love good. the buildings. Did you see the buildings one she did? It was just so simple. Just yeah. some really sort of simple blocks, but I looked amazing. I just it, assumed it, it was a really good watercolour. <laughs> I, I said to her, I think I would call that scratch and sniff art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, um, Catherine C. Slater. Now, she was inspired by Jackie P.'s imagination and she remembered a technique that she'd read about and tried a few years ago, which was rust dyeing, which I'd never heard of. Um, and she says what you do is you spray paper with either vinegar or tea or both and then you lay on some rusty metal of some kind and in her example uh, which she posted on the Facebook group she used um, nails and a few washers and then she says that you you keep it really damp for a few hours or overnight and the effects were amazing she she did it great don't they yeah they they really do it's really unusual she did add though that if anybody wants to try it out she said to be sure to keep safe as it is toxic so wear rubber gloves old clothes an apron and work in a well ventilated space um but the vinegar will give a rusty brown color while tea will give you a kind of gray or a black so yeah who'd have thunk it yeah, very clever. What about well, you? What's caught your Yeah, mind? I wanted to mention a couple of people on Instagram because I think we leave them out because we're so busy talking about people in the group, aren't mm. we? It's a bit, a bit unfair. Yes. So I I wanted to mention Michael David, and I'm going to get this wrong, Gesler, I think his name is. Yes. But he always tags us in because he's doing Kick365 and he does the most amazing watercolour sketches. But he also throws in the odd fantasy landscape or creature or a spaceship. And these are done in pencil, and I, they are just amazing. Amazing? Amazing. amazing. <laughs> Even amazing. Uh-huh. But, yeah, they're fantastic. Um, and also, Susie Walker Toy, I don't know if you've seen her faces on Instagram. Uh, but prob- I think I have. I think I have, yes. 
But even the one she said, like she'd done a 10 minute one and she says, oh, not very happy with this. I only had 10 minutes to spare. Even that one looked amazing. It was, um, I think it was with Dali she'd done. Mm. Uh, but like way, way better than I could do in 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Anyway, what is new with you? I'm sure there's tons going on. <laughs> well, now you've caught me on the hop because I had no idea you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, well, not a lot, really. I've, I've set up my new painting composition. Um, I'm just waiting for my canvas to arrive. You know, I don't know if, if you were listening last last time you'll remember I said that I was struggling to get canvases <laughs> or the canvases I like um over here for some reason whether that was covid or brexit or whatever I don't know but for some reason there seems to be a, a mass shortage of the canvases I like so um then I was told after being told it was going to be coming in on the 21st of January they then moved it to the 19th of February and now they've moved it again so in the end I thought you know what I'm going to I'm going to um just get it bespoke made because then I know I'm going to get it. They've obviously got the materials. They just haven't made any up or something. I don't know. Or maybe but they're mass-produced in a factory. They're made in a different mm, way probably, aren't they? Maybe, yeah. So so this one's being bespoke made by the same company and it's exactly the same materials. So it'll probably be even... And actually, I've gone for an even finer canvas than I normally do. So I'm, it, it should be even better. The only problem with that is it's a lot more expensive. But I'm going to have to swallow that because... You know. How much difference is it? Like, if you get one made to like buying one off the shelf, about another, about an extra forty pounds on the top. Oh God! So, um, but I, I'm just going to yeah, swallow that one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So basically, just that. And um, meanwhile, I've been taking the photographs and setting up, you know, the composition into a position I like. Um, that. Are you going to tell everybody what it is? I know you've told me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody who's seen my uh, work before might remember a painting I did of a couple of coke bottles um just against a blue background and somebody wanted me to do something similar to them at the same size so basically I'm going back to doing something like that um I don't want to make it exactly the same obviously it couldn't be exactly the same even if I tried but um because it, it, I want it to be a different painting but it's definitely going to have that same feel and the same bottles different colored straws um but yeah apart from that i've made a cake <laughs> That's about yeah i was a... gonna say yeah. you're preparing for bake-off aren't you I, yes <laughs> no I, do you know what the other day I, I don't know whether it's the whole lockdown thing's just get, getting to us all now is it's like oh come on hurry up and uh something happened the other day and i in my head i was like oh I really feel like baking, and you I never hate feel cooking, like cooking, don't you? I, I hate cooking. Cooking, I just if I find it um, a waste of life is cooking. <laughs> but you have to eat to live, I suppose. So I just don't like cooking boring old dinners. But the other day, I just thought I really, really fancy making a cake, and um, anyway, so I, I've got all the books. You know, I've got the Mary Berry books and that. And I, I had a look, and I thought. I'm going to make a, a fruit cake. So I made a cake and I'll tell you what, it was bake-off worthy. And Paul went into shock. He was like, what has happened to my wife? And it was so good that I made another one the next day. <laughs> I can't believe this, you ate it so quick. I know. We ate a whole cake between us in, in one day. But I will just say, in my defence, it was only a six-inch cake tin. So it was really, they say eight, eight portions, but it, it was definitely three each you know yeah, yeah. um but this is not a baking podcast this is an art no. podcast so um what is new with you 
Um, well, I'm still doing online live drawing, and I did ask you to come along, but you were too busy making a bloody cake. <laughs> well, not come along, but, you know, be online sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I did that, but... I experimented this week with some um, watercolour brush, not brush pens, watercolour markers by Windsor mm. & Newton. Now, I've had these a while and I keep dabbling and I'll leave them. When I first got them, I wasn't that mad on them. But I tell you what, if you get it right with them, not that I'm getting it right, they <laughs> can make some lovely effects. Mm. But what I was trying to do is I was doing some drawing where I wasn't putting any pencil down first. Right. So I was just trying to work with these markers and then blend them a little bit. And one I was quite pleased with, a little 10-minute one I did, but I did some disasters. There was an end half an hour pose, and I I had my first attempt, that one in the bin, and then I started my second attempt, and then after five minutes I thought, oh my, but one of them looked like Elvis, it was a woman. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't look anything like Elvis, but she did in mine. Um, and then, yeah, so and then I thought, no, and then I thought, I'm giving up on that. So I just said, thank you very much, I'm off, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah. The, the thing about those those online um, life drawing classes, though, I suppose, that what, what is good about them is you don't have to show your stuff, do you? You don't have to hold your, your, your paintings up and say, oh, this is mine or anything like that, do you? Well, you can do. You I can, mean, she does but a, you don't she have does, to. Yeah, no, no, you don't have to. She does a thing at the end where, and it's amazing how many people do want to show them. Yeah. And some people are really good who want to show them. But it just amazes me how, how keen people are to, are to show it. Mm. Uh, the thing is, when you go to a normal, um, everyday life drawing class in, say, um, in a room, then obviously everybody wanders around and looks at everyone else's, don't they? And that's the one you thing. You can't can, hide. <laughs> there's nothing to, there's nowhere to hide. Whereas online, you can choose whether or not you show it or, or whether you don't, you know. Yeah. No, so... As well, we were going to talk about, um, in our last podcast, we mentioned, uh, well, it was all about having fun with your sketchbook. And we mentioned the idea of sharing imperfect sketchbooks, and we thought, we kind of fun if we have a hashtag. So we invite people to do sketchbook walkthroughs. What do you call them? Sketchbook Yeah, like flip-throughs, flip isn't it? That's it, yeah. A sketchbook flip-throughs of their imperfect sketchbooks. So we're not talking about these sketchbooks where it's one beautiful drawing after the next. We're talking about sketchbooks where... You've got one drawing, okay, and that might be really nice. And the next one is like, oh dear, what happened there? And then yeah. you flick the next one and might be some scribblings on there. So if anybody is up for sharing them, I think we're going to have a go, yeah. aren't we, at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, hashtag it. Now, this was Sandra's brainwave. We <laughs> hashtag naked sketchbook, which I really like because it means like you're exposing yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So do expose yourself to us. Yeah. But, but only <laughs> if you expose your if you expose yourself to us, we'll expose ourselves to you. Yeah. But I think it's it's just because I think there's this um, new age social media online editing, isn't there? Where everything is perfect. You know, if 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 somebody photographs their coffee, it's it's always next to a, a perfect pot of flowers and in a perfect room and perfect lighting and or you know people airbrush themselves and all the rest of it I don't like that um because I've said before if, if I was to airbrush myself in a in a photograph I would hate to think if I saw someone in real life they'd go oh my god she looks rough <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean yeah but at the same time if I was to 
take a photograph of my kitchen for whatever reason I might do that and put it on social media, yes, I probably wouldn't want the washing um, stand hanging in the middle of it. Or Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So, You'd tidy up, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. But everybody online is is editing themselves and their lives online. I mean, you're not going to say, oh, I've had a rubbish day today. This happened and that happened. You're just going to want to you know, post mainly the nice things, aren't you, as well? So it's easy to kind of think everybody's life is perfect. Everyone lives in a perfect house with perfect family and draw perfect sketchbooks. But it's not like that. It's not like it at all. And um, I think that what, um, what I was trying to do, what we're trying to do here, is try to get away from all of that a little bit and be a bit honest and, and so that we can all see, you know, we all make horrible sketches sometimes but it doesn't matter it's part of it's just part of being an artist and and let's embrace that because those those awful sketches lead to amazing ones and um so it's it's all good well it's funny because after that I, I was sketching sketching through I was flipping through some of my old sketchbooks and um it's quite bizarre to look at some of them I was flipping them through one from about two years ago it was a faces and I I quite like what I'd done, I don't necessarily like the drawing, but I'd like that I'd been much more experimental. Mm. So I'd put collage and stuff in them. And it got me thinking, oh, why aren't you doing this now? You know, yeah. you need to do some more of this. But then also, so I'd get to the end, near the end of that sketchbook, and there were all these faces on coloured. And then suddenly I'd got a half, half done drawing of a telephone box. I'm thinking, what were you thinking? <laughs> You've got yeah. 30 pages of faces. And then a and telephone then got, box. <laughs> yeah. And it was terrible. I hadn't even finished it. And then there was uh, another one from recently. And you could actually see when we went into lockdown. You know the first lockdown? Yeah. So I've got all these sort of character drawings. Uh, and then get to around the time of lockdown and it suddenly goes like terrible. Oh, I really? mean, there was some shocker marker drawings. And there was me doing these cutout things. And oh my, it, obviously... My mind was all over the place. Just yeah, weird. But also, also, I think when one person thinks their sketch is awful, another person will think it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So, so you know, I just think it would be really fun for people to just start sharing the on it more honest stuff, and and there's nothing wrong with it. Just own it and. Just a reminder then, the, the hashtag is Naked Sketchbook. And if you can encourage other people to, to do it as well and post their flip-throughs, um, that'd be great. Anyway, let's move on to today's uh, subject, um, which is way, way away from uh, sketching. It's um, about oils and why artists shouldn't be afraid to try them. And I do speak from experience because I remember feeling exactly the same before I'd ever tried oils. And of course, now I use them all the time. That's my medium. I used to use watercolours because um, oils, they just look so complicated, you know, all those weird mediums, the recipes, you know, the expense, not to mention the health issues that you always read about relating to oils, thinners, um, and of course, that unmistakable smell, that smell of oil paint, which I don't like. Some people love it, I don't. But uh, probably about 10, 10 must be, maybe even longer now, it might have been 10, 12 years ago, an artist friend of mine said to me, why don't you try oils? Um, and at the time, I, I was at a stage where I hadn't really found my medium. I was still experimenting with everything but oils. Um, Were you loving? Were you loving watercolor at the time? No. Well, yeah, I loved. I loved creating art, but um, and I I liked the immediacy of watercolors, but I, it wasn't something I 
was in love with, you know. I was just yeah. trying things and I was trying all sorts of things. But the moment I tried oil paints, it was just an instant love affair. I just knew I'd found the perfect medium to suit my style. You know, they've, they've got this kind of... Um, like a buttery consistency like no other and they're just so forgiving they're far more forgiving the watercolors I mean if you make a, a mistake with watercolors there is no hiding it you just have to go with it whereas you know with oils you can just wipe it off and start again or you can paint over it and um, they obviously take a very long time to dry um, depending on medium you use but they give me all the time I need to blend and you can use them in so many different ways. You can paint in thick impasto strokes or in really thin layers. But the best thing I think is that unlike watercolours, oils won't fade over time. If they're used correctly, an oil painting can last hundreds of years, whereas watercolours, obviously, when they're out in the daylight, they will fade over, over years, which obviously is a bit of a downfall. Can you just go back? You said impasto strokes. Now, some people might not know. Oh, yeah, sorry. Means. Impasto just means those really thick, you know, you see paintings that you can practically eat them. They look like cake mix on the top where they've just been, yeah. you know, you, or perhaps you use a palette knife or you just use really thick paint and you, and you use it textured. So obviously that's one way of using them or you can use them like I do and, and you use sort of very um, thin layers and you build up, which is how I do it. Did someone give you advice when you got started? So did someone suggest what you should go out and get? No, I, this, this is the thing. I didn't really have anybody to tell me what, what I should do at that point. Um, but once I tried them, I really wanted to learn about them properly because I knew that if I didn't use them properly, they might crack over time. I knew that much and I definitely didn't want that to happen. So I dedicated a lot of time to research and to practice Um but there isn't as much to learn as you might imagine. I mean, there are a few basic rules to know, such as fat over lean, um, dark to light, not varnishing too quickly, but that's pretty easy to grasp. And then later on, I started painting alongside Rosa Branson in her studio um, once once every now and then. And, and it was great painting with her because she, you know, she shared her tips and things like that. So I did have I did have some support when I needed it. I knew the right people to get it if I needed it. So Rosa, what what sort of thing was she painting? Was she painting what you wanted to paint? No, we don't paint the same things, but we Rosa was just doing her own thing in the studio and then I'd go along and do my own thing. But it, it was lovely because it was company for her and company for me and um, she just loves having people with her in her studio. Of course, she hasn't been able to do that now for a year because of COVID, so I haven't sort of seen her for ages and ages. But um, it's was just... she painting realism, though? Was she oh, yes, doing... Rosa. Yes. Yeah, Rosa Branson, she paints absolute realism. Yeah. You mentioned um, a minute ago fat over lean, which I have no clue oh, okay. what you're talking about. No. So can you go through the basic rules of oil painting, but like in really simple terms? Okay, so fat over lean really is... It just means that unless you're painting the whole painting in one sitting, then you would either use the same amount or slightly more medium with each layer. So you need to have the fatter layers over the thinner ones. So the dark to light rule, that's simply that you just work from your darkest tones up to your lightest. And that's the complete opposite to what you do with watercolours. So that's that's easy. It's just the opposite. It takes yeah, a while to I get, get that used to that. Yeah. <laughs> Not varnishing too quickly. That's just because oils can take 
up to a year to dry properly. And I don't mean that if, if in six months time you touch your painting, you're going to get it on your fingers. You're not. Um, I mean, mine are usually touch dry within 24 hours um, because I use very thin layers. But if what happens is that because they're oils, the under layers take longer to dry. So it, they're not fully dry, even if they appear to be. So if you varnish them too quickly, they can't breathe. And so they can't dry. And Matt said, if, if you work in thin layers like I do, the paint will obviously dry a lot quicker. And actually, Gamlin, which is um, the, the brand I use, they've developed a varnish called Gamvar, which is actually breathable. So you can actually varnish the painting once it feels completely dry to the touch and you don't have to wait, you know, six months to do it. So that's really good. Do you have to varnish at the end? No, you don't have to. Oh, okay. You don't have to at all, no. And can you varnish in between? No. <clears throat> no, well, well, you can. You can use retouch varnish, but there's no point. I think why people sometimes do that is because there's some pigments dry um, in like a dull finish, and some in more of a glossy finish. So you'll get dull areas, and you'll get more shiny areas. And a lot of people think, well, if I varnish it, that'll get rid of that, but it won't. Right. What you do is you use, and you have to wait till it's that layer's dry enough but you use a very soft brush and a little bit of your medium and just paint that medium over the painting and then just take it off again with a soft cloth. And the reason you would do that is because it introduces the oil back into the areas that have sunk and it just makes everything an even sheen, you know. Right. So can you suggest a small basic kit of oil paints and all that and all the stuff that goes with it to get started? I mean, the colours, the surface, the brushes. And also, should you start with cheap stuff first and then build your way up to the more expensive products? Okay, so I would suggest a mid-range brand to start with if you just are testing oil paints out. There's absolutely no point in spending too much until you know that you're going to get on with them or you're selling your work but don't go for a really really cheap set from like a budget shop because something like that you're not really gonna get the full feel of what they're like because they're not the stronger pigment and I just think that a mid-range is the best perhaps the best ones to go for and actually they're not that expensive I started with a Dale Rowney Georgian set when I started and I've looked them up actually now and you can get a starter kit of eight colors and that's about 26 pounds so that's that's not a lot unless you're going to be painting with lots and lots of paint with a palette knife you know that should last you quite a long time um it would always include a white usually it'll include a couple of earth colors and a warm and cool version of each of the primaries yeah yeah so you know, with, as with the paints, don't make the mistake that I did and buy cheap oil paper to begin with. Because you can, you can get oil paper, which comes in pads, because it buckles. It Well, it, it did when I used it anyway. I mean, maybe it's better now. But um, if you're going to use oil paints, you're very rarely going to end up painting on oil paper anyway. So you're best off buying just a pack of really cheap cotton canvases from a budget shop. That's absolutely fine to practice on until you've got used to the feel of the oils. And once you've got used to it and you're you're liking them, that's when you can start going on to, you know, your better canvases and experimenting with different surfaces. Um, Brushes, it's really hard to suggest because everybody's so different. Most people would start with like cheap hog hair. I hate them. I never did like those at all. I prefer something more flexible Uh, and more precise so I'm afraid again that you know that's just trial and error depending on how much control you want 
So, again, so what are they made of, the ones that you would use? Um, I actually love rosemary brushes, <clears throat> but, I mean, they're perhaps slightly more expensive. Um, but I like, I actually prefer the ones that are synthetic mix rather than, you know, just hog hair or something like that because they have, I just think they're more bouncy and they're more flexible and smoother. But it's literally, if you're painting in pasto with lots of big, bold strokes, you might go for a really big old hog hair brush and that might suit you just down to the ground. So just to get you started, what I would go for, I'd go for a couple of round brushes and a couple of flat brushes, just fairly cheap synthetic ones designed for acrylics or oils just to get you started. And that's all you need to do because you can worry about that once you've, you know, been experimenting for a bit. So if you've already got ones for watercolour, would you avoid those, like the plate, yeah, you, or will you, they work? Yeah. <clears throat> no, you wouldn't use watercolour ones. It would ruin the brushes. You need the brushes to be able to handle that, the oils and the mediums, and watercolour brushes, they're, too, they're quite delicate. You, you wouldn't use those. So, so what about mediums? Can you simplify it? Yes. Okay, so you don't have to use a medium at all. You can simply do the whole painting straight from the tube. That's fine. But the reason you would use a medium is to speed up the drying time or slow it down further or alter the consistency to make it more transparent and inky. Oils I find straight from the tube are really stiff and I, I don't like that, but some, some artists do use that. Medium recipes, they can sound really complicated. They don't have to be. I make my own, but there are plenty of really good ready-made mediums out there and Gamelin makes a variety of mediums according to whether you want to slow down the drying time or speed it up. And all you have to do is look it up and it'll tell you what they do. And if you find one you like, then you don't have to make your own at all, ever. I mean, I only make my own because I like to use a particular oil. That said, I wouldn't have a problem in using a ready-made one um, either. I really wouldn't. I'd still happily use those. And I know some artists, I mean, Rosa Branson, she's, she's a prime example. She simply uses a little tiny bit of linseed oil on its own in very small amounts um, because linseed oil is already found in your paint. Um, but what you have to remember when you're doing that is if you use too much oil without any thinners, then you can end up with problems. I don't like in linseed oil at all and I don't like it because I hate the smell and it, it can also set fire if it's not disposed oh of properly. So I don't yeah. have, I, I've never had, I haven't had linseed oil in my studio for years. So um, for that reason, but you don't need it. You don't need it. Just there's um, a, a Windsor and Newton. They do a brand called Li uh, Liquin. Um, Gamblin, they do a brand called, they do quite a lot. They do Galkid, they do Neo McGilp. And, and that's another thing, isn't it? You, you look at the the names of them and that's enough to make you think oh what is that what is neomagilp what is galkid <laughs> it's just literally oil and thinners in in various proportions in different types of oil and that's it the thing about the gambling ones again is that they don't smell you, you haven't got that horrible stinky um stinkiness with the gambling varieties well i know some people are scared of the fumes and whether they're safe and i know you say like gambling don't smell but just because they don't smell doesn't mean that and it's not necessarily in the air and you're breathing it in. So yeah. is there well, a problem with fumes? I, um, I wouldn't be painting with oils now if 
I use the smelly ones because it used to give me a headache. I just didn't like it. And the thing is, I get cold really easily. So I, I'm not one to stand there with all the windows open. And that's what you have to do if you're using those stinky oils. And I know I keep harping on about gambling. And I do want to point out that I am not affiliated with them in any way. I probably should be, actually. But <laughs> I, I just, I love them not just for their quality, but also they put so much into making their their paints and their mediums safe to use without those horrible fumes and the smells that are associated with oils and even their thinners i mean there are plenty of no odor thinners you can get out there but it doesn't mean like you say they're still evaporating into the air so even though you can't smell it you're still breathing it in whereas um the gamlin um, thinners which is called gamsol is far less toxic because the smelly solvent has actually been removed um, right. Honestly, if you walked into my studio, you would never know that I wasn't just using pencils. You, you just—it does not smell of anything. And yeah, I'm an oil painter, but I, like I say, I used to use the smelly ones when I first got started, and it really put me off. I didn't like it. I hated the smell. But what about? There's one problem with the walls. This is one thing that would really put me off, and that yeah. is the mess. Mm. Are they a complete pain to clear up? And also, what about if you get them on your clothes? Is that it? Is that like a bin job, or can you get it out? Well, I'm not going to pretend they're not messy because they are messy. Um, but I use baby wipes regularly to clean my hands and my the handles of my brushes occasionally. And I just use um, Murphy's oil soap to clean my brushes, which is uh, mostly natural as well. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they, they are messy. They're not, it's not like watercolour. You can't just rinse them under the tap when you're done and... Yeah, that is the frustrating part of it. I hate having to clean my brushes at the end of the day. But what I do is I just, I wipe my brushes on a rag and then I put some Murphy's oil soap in my hand and then I massage the ends of the brushes into the palm of my hand and rinse them out. So it's not that bad. Um, I, I used to use thinners to do it, but they wreck your brushes and you don't need to. The oil soap is much safer and doesn't smell. And it protects your brushes. It kind of conditions your brushes, so that's quite good. But no, I don't wear clothes when I paint. Um, well, I mean, I wear clothes. Obviously, I wear clothes. I don't. <laughs> well, no, I don't you said you did paint. That's what you <laughs> did say once that you painted yeah, naked. Yeah, I'm not actually naked when I paint. But what I mean is, I wear my painting clothes, which are, are covered in paint anyway. I wouldn't paint in my everyday clothes, or I wear a big man shirt over my clothes because if you do get it on your clothes. Um, especially depending on the colour. If you've got phthalo blue on, on, your, on your white shirt, that is never coming out. It doesn't matter what you do. So just don't wear decent clothes when you're, when you're oil painting. It's not worth it. Thing is, it wouldn't with um, acrylic either. and Even watercolour would probably stain mm. something like that. In you certain colours, definitely, yeah. Definitely with acrylic. If it's dry, it's dry, because you can actually paint clothes with acrylics, can't you? Yeah, you can, yeah. So... Yeah, so they're all all the same, really, in that way. Mm. What about palettes? So do you use one of those paper tear-off ones, or what do you use? Yeah, I started um, with a pack of those when I started painting with oils, um, and that's great for a beginner, just trying them out. But if you were to always use those, um, then that would be quite expensive in the long run. Um, I actually had a palette made, and it's just a large bit of toughened glass with polished edges, and that's been sprayed white underneath. And I just went to a glazer and asked them to make one for me. And it's really easy to scrape off the dried paint, even you know, with um, 
even if you've left it on, on there for a couple of days. Basically, ideally, you wipe it off at the end of every session and you get rid of all the paint. But if it happens to dry on there, you just get a flat blade and you just put a bit of soapy water onto the pile of dried paint and you just use the flat edge of the blade to scrape it off. And I've had mine for a few years now and I've never needed anything else and it still looks like a, a fresh new piece of glass. It was about £70 to have it made, but by now I would have at least used that in, um, you know, tear-offable, disposable palettes. And also the disposable thing bothers me because, it's again, it's something else you've got to put in the bin, something else that has, I think, plastic in it as well. We, don't, we need to try and limit that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing as well, you can probably buy a glass palette, can you, or a, a plastic or something palette rather than that yeah, rather than spending um, 70 quid as a beginner yeah i'll tell you what else you can use as well it's just a white tile or a dinner plate a white china yeah, dinner plate, a, plate. Yeah. a plastic would probably stain right um so i probably wouldn't go for anything plastic but yeah i mean the thing about oils is just get something smooth <laughs> you know that's all that matters yeah. you probably go for a white some people might go for a like a mid-tone like a gray or something they prefer that i i just have actually mine my, my i'd say I've, I've sprayed my um glass white underneath it looks gray really because by the time you've got the glass on the top but it just it's off white and that's quite good because if it's bright white you haven't got anything to judge your tones on if you know what i mean yeah. But look, as I say, as a beginner, doesn't matter. White plate. Don't don't get a plate that's covered in patterns. Obviously, <laughs> just get something flat and like a tile or something. I don't know. Just keep it simple. Um, what about an easel? Do you have to work with your work propped upright, or can you work flat? You can work flat, but I don't because it's perhaps harder not to smudge. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I use a big easel for when I'm painting um, large paintings, but I use a tilted table easel for my smaller ones and yeah I just use that it's, it's easier to be honest I prefer even watercolors I prefer having them slightly upright I don't like painting completely flat but it's up to you it's just about whether you can do that without smudging I, you, you wouldn't do it with um you certainly wouldn't have a flat a big painting and lay it flat because how would you get to parts of it without leaning on it <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah yeah um, you've also got this big wooden stick with a ball on the end of it. Now, I've always assumed that's for slapping Paul. <laughs> that is not That is not what you said to me earlier. <laughs> I know, but I can't actually read that out loud. So I've, I've, I've toned it down. You really have toned it down. <laughs> I think you're talking about my mild stick. And yes, that's very satisfying to use. I Basically, it's a long stick with a leather ball on the end. And, and you can use it to, to rest your painting hand against instead of smudging your painting. And I, I just couldn't do without it. So um, say, for instance, I've got my big painting on my easel. Then I want to do something in the middle of it. But I don't want to rest my hand on the painting in case I you know disturb the paint that's there or I smudge or it, it might be a bit wet so what I do is I put the um the leather ball on the very edge of the canvas and I hold the other end with the other hand and then I can use it to rest the palm of my hand on so I can get anywhere in the painting it's great you don't have yeah, to have one of those you could use a broom <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to use a fancy mild stick do you know improvise no, I 
it's kind of the equivalent, I guess, of when you're working in pastel or, or mm. what I do, it's just like leaning on a bit of paper, isn't it? Yeah. But obviously, you don't want to do that. You don't want to put paper on top of an oil paint, but it's, no. it's so you can rest without disturbing your, the work that you've already done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just literally that. And I say you don't have to have one of those. And if you're working on a maybe a, an 8 by 8 inch painting, you probably don't need one. Um, but it's they're handy to have when you start, you know, painting bigger now I'm going to step back and this isn't actually a question we've got written down but you mentioned before how you can actually paint in one sitting with oil painting yeah now how the heck do you do that um because I know you paint in layers and I you paint in layers time. I don't yeah I don't do that I don't paint in but a lot of people do with like a palette knife they'll just and they'll just literally lay it on thick and they'll or they'll use a brush there it's called alla prima painting i've actually got a book on alla prima and again you, you what you have to be careful of is you you want to limit your brush strokes as much as possible because otherwise you'll start stirring up the paint and making mud but because oil paint is quite thick you can put a stroke of paint on top of another stroke of paint and it it should sit on the surface but once you start right. doing that too many times, you're going to mix it up and you're going to start getting a muddy painting. But yeah, it's quite possible to do a painting in one sitting. I mean, if you you only have to watch Landscape Artists of the Year, don't you? And they do it all, all the time. It's They just limit the amount of time they spend on one area. They'll do what they need to do in one or two strokes uh, or maybe right. three or four at, ma- at the most and then they'll stop and move on to another area. So I assume in general that would be for someone who likes painting in a much less realistic style than you do because you probably can't get the precision, can you, working like that? Yeah, you can. You can. It's, it's developing your skills to be able to learn how to do that using that technique, but it can be done. I've seen it done. Um, I don't work that way, so I don't really... I don't have that experience to be able to say how it's done because that's just not how I've ever worked. I've always worked in layers because... I like using um, a colour beneath another colour um, to change the colour of what's on top of it. <laughs> uh, let, me t- yeah. let, me, let me explain that in better, in much easier terms. I like to use transparent colours where I can. So I might put um, one colour down and then I will glaze over it with a more transparent colour to adjust the colour underneath. Well, obviously, if you're painting in big, thick strokes and then or you're doing it in one sitting, you, you can't do that. So that's no. the difference. So just to go to how you work, would you start and you say you, so you draw a pencil drawing, I assume, would you? What you're drawing? Uh, sometimes, if, if it's a really simple thing, I'll just for the outlines, I'll just use a very, very thin bit of uh, acrylic in an earth colour just to get the basic lines down because then you can paint over that and they don't disappear. If you do it with oils, you've got to wait for that to dry before you can go right. over it. But yeah, it's there, if it's a small painting, say if I was doing, I don't know, a mug and a couple of apples or something, then I would just draw that straight onto the canvas with um, with my brush using the, the brown acrylic or oil or whatever. If I was doing it all in one sitting, I'd probably just use the oil anyway. But yeah, and I then, mean, if I'm doing a very complicated painting or a large painting, yeah, I'll always do a, a pencil drawing first yeah so going back to acrylics Mm. why don't you use acrylics instead 
I don't like acrylics at all. I mean, they dry so quickly. You can put so much retarder in and they still dry way quicker than my oils. And I just don't have the blending time that I like. Um, what I do love about acrylics is they do these amazing like neon colours and things like that that I d I've never seen in oils yet. Whether I mean, I may just not have seen them. Perhaps they do do them, but I've not seen them. Whereas, you know, acrylics do seem to have a, a wider variety of those bright, bright colours. But I just like having that ability to blend. So you can get oils that mix with water. Um, I know you tested them. Yeah. And I just want to know why you didn't like them, what the feel was, how they were different. Yeah, I tested those because I hated the smell and I was trying to find other ways of painting with oils where I didn't um, have that horrible smell that went along with it. That some people love, but I just don't. Um, so I tried um, some water mixable oils and I think they were Van Gogh with the brand I tried um I felt that they were just they just seemed chalkier and not as transparent I just they just felt I didn't have that same buttery feel that oily feel that slippery feel that you get with oils so I just didn't like them as much um but there are I actually gave mine to Crystal Cook because um anyone who's heard of Crystal Cook she's a watercolour artist and oh my gosh her work is absolutely incredible but she wanted to try out oils but she she didn't have any oils and I said look you know have my set of this because she she what put her off with the oils I think again was that horrible messiness and all the rest of it and I said look I, I've just tried these you might get on with these and I sent her my set and she painted some gorgeous paintings with them and they suited her perfectly so um it just didn't suit me and I just felt that they didn't have that same vibrancy that I get but again that could be something that's improved since then because that must have been I don't know 10 years ago I tried those maybe eight years ago I guess you could just get one tube or one or two tubes of them could you, you can just test see how it feels like you stuff? can absolutely yeah yeah now I've sort you've sort of covered this but do you think all painting is expensive compared to other mediums? Well, I guess that's just depending on how you use them. Because if you work in those big, bold impasto strokes with a palette knife, you know, of course, that's going to use a lot of paint in one sitting. And yeah, that's going to be expensive. I use thin layers. And so a tube of paint will last me a lot, lot longer, months and months. So it's really hard to compare with other mediums for that reason. Personally, no, I don't think so. Watercolor's expensive, and you put water in it, and it dissolves. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah. You can't also compare depends, the two. Depends on the uh, the how high price the materials are you using as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, once you've you've fallen in love with them, and and then you want to use them, um, and you want to use them a lot, and you've decided that's going to be your medium, then obviously you're going to go for a much more expensive variety old holland is another one um that is a beautiful quality paint so but but they're a lot more expensive obviously than your, your average you know mid-range but i'm sure there are people out there that never bother going on to the, the more expensive ones do you know what i mean because they these yeah. days we've spoken about this before haven't we student quality these days is probably professional quality 30 years ago you know yeah yeah, but it is. But I think certainly so, if you're selling, you then you really do need to. You can't compromise on the quality if you're selling your work. I guess so. That depends on selling. What you mean by selling? Whether you're selling as a hobbyist. Oh yeah, yeah. 
as yeah and, and the price range and yeah. stuff yeah um, so can you recommend any tutorials or books to learn how to use oils I know because you you mentioned this and I was thinking about it because you know when I was learning about oils I really wanted to learn how the old masters painted and I found it really hard to get the information I needed in modern books but luckily my mum and dad they both in the summer they love going around the boot fairs and they found me tons of books on oil painting that were old and out of print which I found really useful but the problem is I just don't have those anymore I have no idea what they were um, but I also use YouTube a lot. You do have to be careful, though, because remember, anyone can make a YouTube video. I mean, look at me and Tara, we make them. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean... Yeah, any idiot can yeah, make a any, YouTube any video. Any idiot, exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to give, you know, you're going to be given the right information. So if you are learning from YouTube, just check out that artist to research them first, just so you you know that they do know what they talk about, you know, they're talking about. And if you're really serious about wanting to learn um, how to use oils, um, it's hard to find the information more so now, I think, because I think, like, we've spoken about college before, haven't we? Anything, things are more about experimenting and um, being expressive, but they don't necessarily talk so much about technique, do they? I think things are getting a bit better because now... I think realism is almost coming back. Do you think? A bit, certainly with oils. Yeah, you get a lot more I mean, of it now. I definitely think if you post something realistic on Instagram, people are, are more receptive. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of expressionism and I love it. I actually do really like expressionism. I do. It's just not how I do things, not how I paint. But I think because of there's been so much of that, all the books seem to be about that more than those master old master techniques, you know? But yeah, there, there was someone I remember you talking about, um, but Ala Prima, um, I can't remember her name, but there was some online tor- tutorials and she did Ala Prima technique. Ooh, was it I Carol somebody? Carol? Oh, oh, Carol Marine. Yeah, did she do the Ala Prima technique? Yeah, she paints all in one go. She does some really great tutorials online, yeah. Um, yes. So that's her. But again, that, that, I mean she paints in a totally different way than I do so I didn't really take too much notice of that kind because I just wanted to master my own what I wanted to know do you know what I mean yeah but so, it's like if say someone like me not that I have any oh, you'd, love Car- you'd love Carol Marine stuff but that yeah. is the way I, if I was going to try it that is the way I would go I would go mm. for trying a la prima obviously because yeah. I wouldn't have patience no uh, you wouldn't, and I, I think you'd probably perhaps use a palette knife or something like that, and that would probably suit yeah. you really well. But again, you don't even need, need to invest in a palette knife. You could use an old credit card. People do, you know. But if you if you really, really are serious about wanting to learn how to use oils and create some really serious art, um, and this is obviously once you've tried them out in the way we've suggested, then I would certainly recommend the Evolve program. And if you want to know what that is... Um, Go back and listen to episode 73 with, I think it was 73, with Kevin Murphy. I mean, that'll take you to a whole new level of painting. And and his knowledge on oil paintings is phenomenal. Um, It's certainly something I would recommend having a look at. Yeah, there's actually a free webinar. If you go to kickingthecreatives.com forward slash evolve webinar, you can find that there. And we just want to let you know, though, we are an affiliate of Evolve. So if you did decide to buy the course... 
we would get a commission, which is great because it helps us support Kicking the Creatives and what we do. But also, I would say as well, we would never be an affiliate with something we didn't actually think was fantastic either. So (laughs) anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think really just to just to summarise, don't be frightened of it. I was frightened of it. When I started using it, I did think to myself, what on earth was I so scared of? This really isn't that this really isn't that complicated at all. A few colours, a couple of services, a couple of brushes, a white tile, a ready made medium. And that's all you need to get you started. Yeah, so you're, you're probably talking, if you're talking about that free uh, set you saw for 25 mm. quid, you're probably talking about 35 quid or something like that to get started. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I'm sure you could start cheaper than that as well if you yeah. went for a smaller set or You whatever. could, yeah, you could. Yeah, I mean, there, you can actually try, if you just got a white and a um, ultramarine blue, that's, you could literally just start with those two colours because you can make an ultramarine blue lighter and all different tones. You can make tonal paintings and you, you'd you get the feel for it without having to invest in lots of colours. One thing I would just quickly say, it's a bit off the subject, but don't, don't ever buy a, a tube of black because black from a tube is really flat and dull. I hate them. <laughs> just mix your own. To mix a black, yeah. I start with ultramarine blue. Yeah. And I put in a bit of burnt sienna until it gets to a, be a quite a rich black colour. And then yeah. I might want to change the character of that black. I might want ah. to add a dab of alizarin crimson in there. Okay. Or a d- yeah. some other colour just to... Or I might You're going to push it slightly yeah. towards a colour. Yeah. Sort of but like I say, you could literally go for a tube of white and a tube of colour and you can get to know oils just by doing that without even having to invest in a whole set. That's probably a really good idea to start mm. that way, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, shall we go on to our previous question and find out what answers we got? Which okay. was a much more sensible one. Mm, that's because you, that's because... I didn't write it, you oh, wrote did I it. write it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. So, if you wanted to hide a secret sketchbook, where would your perfect hiding place be? And we got loads of answers for this one. Oh, we did. Some of them are really good. Um, Kim Kernow, she said, I used to hide my diary in a lockable vanity case as a teenager and a pack of ciggies. (laughs) 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 I've got art by Jackie P and she says, in an obsolete video recorder. Now you've got my devious little mind active. Brilliant. Until someone throws it away, of course. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) My daughter, she used to post digestive biscuits into the the video player when they were around. Oh, no. (laughs) I used to find them in there. I was like, why why can't I get this video in? And there'd be biscuits in there. (laughs) Um, Adrian Sutherland, she says, inside the hardback cover of an old book that's lost or become detached from its insides. Ooh, that's sneaky. I've got... Eva Falkwall Simpson, she says, I'd put it in a safe place and then I'd never find it again. Yeah, that's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, yeah, Chaco Kid, she says, nowadays I tend to be less sneaky because I have to remember where I put it. <laughs> yeah, I totally get yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Um, I've got Dorothy Sunnies and she says, hmm, I keep a few sketchbooks in my car underneath the seat. Nobody looks there. Um, as Amanda draws, she says, in the washing machine. <laughs> I've been known to hide chocolate in there away from teenagers. The downside is it needs to be constantly rehoused because it seems to be constantly on. No, I just end up washing that and get melted chocolate all over your clothes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've got Lucy Bell and she says, in my 22-year-old's daughter's bedroom, 
as it's so messy you'd never find it. I've got Catherine C. Slater in a box labelled cleaning materials. No one but me would ever look in there. I love that. <laughs> I've got Oshorg M. I don't know if I've said that right. Or it's Osha UGM. Mm. In the veggie drawer of the fridge under the broccoli. <laughs> Obviously nobody likes broccoli. No. Um, Claudia Weller in a plastic bag in the freezer. But I just think, would a, would a sketchbook not get damp? Like, would it be okay in a freezer? I don't know. I don't. I don't think we think to need to think too deeply about this, Sandra. <laughs> oh, so you're not going to try it then? <laughs> no. I've got Dare Stevens, and he says I would strip out the pages of a vegan cookbook and stick the sketchbook inside. My children would never find it. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, Kathy Richardson, I would make an altered book, then put my sketchbook inside and put it on the shelf with my other books. Brilliant idea. I've got Chris Crispy. I have four brothers and three sisters. So when I was nine, I had to hide my diary. I decided to hide it in plain sight. I wrote my school timetable on the back of it and had it on my desk against the wall. My brothers did come in teasing and searching for it, but they never found it. That's genius. Oh, that really is genius. You know, when I, years ago, when I was a very young teenager, I used to have, I had a box. It's like a square cardboard box with a lid. And it was stuff, it was, I called it my private box, where I had my own private stuff, my diary, anything like that, and, and just bits yeah. and bobs. And, um, yeah, I, I put the words in huge letters with felt pen, private box, underlined about seven times with loads of explanation <laughs> marks, keep out, do not look inside this box. And, of course... You know, if I came across a box like that, I would. The first thing I'd want to do is I'd want to. I'd want to look. I'd. I'd think, what is so private? I need to find out. <laughs> so it's probably the worst way of doing it. But um, so I'm sure my mum. Oh, at? I'm. I'm positive my mum must have looked in that. She must have wondered what on earth was in it. But uh, I just used to have. I had a diary, but I just used to not put stuff in there. So you'd put something like went out with. But then you wouldn't put anything more. <laughs> a blank. <laughs> <Because I'm dead. laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Or you put their nickname, you know. Yeah. John Monroe, he says, in a secure bag placed under the stuff you put in the bottom of a hamster's cage. What? Like shavings? Oh, it just sounds horrible that <laughs> Can you imagine retrieving it? Oh. <laughs> I'm just thinking about what you said about diaries. Then hmm. I could have put mine in like we used to have this book that your mum used to have to sign your mum and dad used to have to sign to say you'd done your homework did you used to oh, have yeah. that yes we did. I, I used to sign mine all the time mm. um but my mum knew she'd say oh just sign it for me will you yeah I could do a, I could do a brilliant signature I could have put mine in there couldn't I <laughs> oh that would have been perfect <laughs> uh, actually John John Monroe who just did the last one he did loads so thank you John but we couldn't we couldn't read them all out um also, I've got Rusilla Moodley. She said, I would recover the book with a title, The Nebula Hypothesis, and put it on my bookshelf. Yeah, nobody, that would not compel no. me to read it. <laughs> no. See, um, my dad would probably read that. Ah, right. And of course, as well, if you hide it too well and something happened to you, and then instead of your kids finding it and treasuring it, they just throw it out in the trash. That's the other thing to be careful about. It's just in yeah, case anyone's taking kids, these so suggestions. Not find it. No, no. But in case anybody, you know, takes these suggestions very seriously. Yeah, of course they do. 
Michelle Slee, she says, hidden underneath the rowing machine I bought years ago when I was determined to get fit, but which now props up other bits and pieces in the shed. A bit like ours. It usually ends up hanging clothes on, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Johanna Brown. She says, since my mother read my teenage diaries, I've never committed anything to paper that I wasn't happy for the world to see. My adult journals are electronic and password protected. I haven't worked out a way of keeping a sketchbook in them yet. Do you know, a while ago I went up in the loft because we cleaned our loft out and I found some old diaries from the 80s or 90s and a few of them had the pages torn out. And I, it's really frustrating because I think, what, what was so private? I felt I had to tear <laughs> them out so they were never found. Probably nothing either. Probably, probably nothing at all. Um, okay, so that is it. And we have got a brand new question, which is... What type of art or mediums have you always wanted to try but haven't and why? So what type of art and mediums have you always wanted to try but haven't and why? So am I going to ask you that question? Uh, no, because the medium was oils and now I have. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't really got any either because I'd just try it if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh it's me as <laughs> always you can let us know in the facebook group which by the way if you haven't already joined i highly recommend you do we'll put the question up there and also on the facebook page and of course on our instagram page which is kicking the creatives and i hope that gives you the kick in the creatives that you needed so don't forget to pop over to our website at kickingthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges and of course there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and if you were enjoying the podcast we'd be really grateful if you'd also leave us a little review on itunes or whatever platform you're listening to us on or um even just a star rating if you don't have much time as long as it's five <laughs> or just tell a mate that'd be great if you <laughs> Yes. You can't do that. Yeah. And don't forget to check out and subscribe to our Kicking the Creators YouTube channel where we've got some art tip videos. And if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support Kicking the Creatives, you can now support us by buying us a coffee. And you can find the link on our website. But as Tara says, otherwise, you know, just share the episodes and um, yeah, leave us a review, something like that. It all helps. So we will see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. So, um, you're going to ask me about a basic kit now. I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you know I'm going to ask you? I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs>